Welcome. I've seen something. Plays tricks on your mind. This is no coincidence. Put on your seatbelts. You are on the fastest route. Your destination. The other side. Hello and welcome to Destination Other Side, the podcast that puts the PA in paranormal. My name's Naki and I'll be your host as we take on everything unknown. We've officially made it to double digits. This is episode number 10. And as always, I'd like to thank you for listening and for spreading the word about the podcast. It's really become one of my favorite things on my work schedule to do, and I'm really glad I get to continue to share what I love. And again, like clockwork, if you have any experiences with the paranormal world and you live in Pennsylvania, tell me all about it by emailing me at m-a-c-k-e-y at wkva920.com. That's m-a-c-k-e-y at wkva920.com. I would love to hear from you and get your take on things like this. Speaking of... I have a really interesting topic today that I think you're going to really love. Now, I usually talk about ghosts, hauntings, cryptids, and creatures beyond our comprehension, but I haven't really taken a dive into the world of just speculation. Urban legends have just as much validity as those other things do, and usually when we talk about ghost stories or anything like that, it comes along with somewhat of an urban legend, but I'm talking about stories where people go wild with their theories which is exactly what we're investigating today. Today, I'd like to shed some light on one of Pennsylvania's most eerie urban legends, one that a lot of people have misconceptions about as much now as they did when all of this began, because sometimes stories do go too far. So let's turn back the clock to the mid-60s and 70s to the Pittsburgh area of Pennsylvania. People who live in the area, as well as people just over the state border in New Jersey, they might turn their heads if you mention the Green Man's Tunnel. On Piney Fork Road, if you look around just a little bit, you'll find a very old, very neglected railroad tunnel. This tunnel was abandoned sometime in the 60s and is now filled with road salt and, as any piece of abandoned architecture, is covered in graffiti. It kind of reminds me of the Pennsylvania Turnpike Tunnels. If any of you have been there, it's amazing. This is just a very, very small version of it to put it into perspective. There are plenty of pictures online, and to tell the truth, I know why people get creepy vibes from this tunnel, because human curiosity is very quick to wonder, what goes on there now? Well, this tunnel is supposedly haunted by a horrible ghost called the Green Man. Supposedly, he was an employee of a local power plant in the area and suffered a gruesome accident while at work one day. He electrocuted himself. The story says that this caused him to turn a grossly glowing shade of green and disfigure him beyond belief, which likely would have killed him. No one knows why the green man would have claimed this tunnel as his own. There's really no connection to it, but a lot of local teenagers at the time, they would drive to the tunnel, park there, turn off their headlights, and call out to the green man, hoping to see his distorted glowing face somewhere in the darkness. Apparently, to summon him, it had to be during a thunderstorm that you made the trip, and when you parked, you had to honk your horn three times. Of course, this sounds like any other urban legend like Bloody Mary, the Candyman. Of course, calling out three times or doing something three times will summon something. But this went even so far as to say that if you saw the Green Man, you had to stay away from him at all costs, even if you're the one that summoned him there. If he so much as touched your car, they said the electrical current still pulsing in his cold body would course through the car, stall the engine, and make it impossible for you to escape. Of course, no one really had this happen to them, but it served for a great time for kids to go out and try and antagonize the Green Man, regardless of the intense supernatural power that he was said to have possessed. What's interesting is that people who find the other end of the tunnel, they call it Devil's Tunnel, so there lies some more creepiness around this place. 
Not only did the green man frequent this tunnel, but he loved wandering the roads of western Pennsylvania at night, terrorizing passerby, chasing after cars, and just standing there glowing in the distance like a deer in headlights. This is how he became known as Charlie No-Face. As many things get twisted around, this story provides him with another name, and possibly the one that affects this the most. Charlie No-Face, for those who didn't know about the Green Man's Tunnel, was the name people chose for when they saw the man on the side of the road. He only appeared at night, and those who passed him say they got a good look at his face. He was completely melted, devoid of features, and for some, he was the most terrifying thing that anyone had seen in the area. If you haven't heard much about these stories, there might be a reason as to why. They disappeared a while ago, and not many people like to retell the story. Except in a few desolate corners of the internet. So where is the green man now? Where did Charlie No-Face go? Why is the tunnel no longer haunted? And why do we not see the man on the side of the road anymore? These questions have a really simple answer, and one that made people reflect on themselves... It killed the urban legends and put everyone to shame. This was a community-wide rumor that demonized someone pretty unfortunate. This was not a ghost or a ghoul, this was a real person. His name was Raymond Robinson. Raymond Robinson was born in 1910 in Western PA, a perfectly normal and healthy boy for the beginning of his lifetime. But in 1918, when he was just eight years old, he did suffer a terrible accident that changed him forever. As a boy, he was gathered around an old railway bridge with his friends, and they wanted to scope out a bird's nest in the tree. As kids often do, they were daring each other to climb the nearby electrical pole to get a good look at the bird's nest. And no one accepted the challenge until Raymond did. He went to climb the pole, but to his misfortune, he was electrocuted with anywhere between 1,200 and 22,000 volts of electricity. The number of volts varied with each source that I read, so take that into consideration, but coincidentally, the same power line had actually killed a 12-year-old boy named Robert Little just one year prior. I don't know why this didn't deter parents from keeping their kids from this place, but I digress. Raymond survived, despite doctors saying the outcome looked grim, newspapers were immediately printing that he would die within days, and there was just a general lack of faith in his condition. Although he did survive, this was just the beginning. His face was almost entirely melted off. He lost his eyes, his nose, most of his facial features. His mouth remained, but as for the rest of his face, he was unrecognizable. He also subsequently lost his right arm. This horrible accident was the birth of a very long and very hard life for Raymond. Many families, even in the early 1900s, would seclude their disabled children so the world didn't make fun of them. And this was the case for Ray, who spent most of his time at home, either listening to baseball games on the radio or making things like doormats, belts, and wallets with his relatives. For many years, he only spent life in the company of his close family, lest he be ridiculed by the public. And as an adult, Ray did not venture out during the day, but he did enjoy walking along State Route 351 at night, feeling his way around with a walking stick. Of course, this was the birth of Charlie No-Face, simply a passerby who didn't know his story and, as many people do, assumed the worst. Ghosts, creatures, deformed demons who wander the earth, but simply, it was just a man. What's worse is that some of those who did know of Raymond's existence took advantage of him. Many young adults would physically antagonize him, try to strike him with their car at night, in which sometimes they did succeed, but this never deterred Raymond from his nightly walks. It's very obvious he didn't deserve this, and his neighbors even attested to this. They enjoyed the short company that he would provide them. Now, as I mentioned, he wouldn't venture out so much during the day, but if a neighbor offered cigarettes or beer, he would have a short conversation and maybe even take a picture. He was genuinely a nice person, and those who met him would tell you the same. 
In the 60s, people sought him out so much that it would cause traffic jams every night on Route 351, and police had to make an occasional appearance to move things along. In fact, I think this was pretty lucrative for them because anyone who parked along the road ended up getting a parking ticket. His popularity did shed a new light on people who have been physically injured and disfranchised as a result, because anyone who met him and talked with him realized he wasn't all that scary. Someone from Thrillist.com says he's just a misunderstood guy who likes beer and the Pittsburgh Pirates, and really, that's all there is to it. I couldn't find much written about how he felt about the urban legends. I think being dubbed the Green Man or Charlie No-Face would sting just a little bit, but so far from my understanding, he didn't address this much. All he really said was positive things. He never lamented too much about his life. Now, in present times, people have abandoned the idea of there being some horrible creature haunting Beaver County. Since more people have learned about the life of Raymond Robinson, they've dropped the talk. Raymond passed away in 1985 at the age of 74 while he was in the care of a nursing home. He's buried at the Grandview Cemetery, where he currently lies near the little boy that was electrocuted on that same power line just one year before he himself was. Even after his death, people continue to talk about how he changed the community in unimaginable ways. There were even talks of books and movies being made about him, and so far the only book that exists is called Charlie No-Face by David Seaburn. It's a fictional tale of an 11-year-old boy who becomes friends with the character Charlie No-Face, so not so much of a biography that most would hope for. In terms of any movies, there was a team called Ivory Scene Productions trying to produce a movie about Ray in the early 2000s. The plans were, however, cut short by the main producer undergoing health complications, and then the Great Recession hit, and the team couldn't come up with enough funds. Although some anonymous Western PA investors did want to send over a million dollars, the team leader, Tisha York, did not accept the money due to the recession and wanted the investors to keep their money for the time being. As it stands, the movie was never made, and it doesn't look like it's going to be made anytime soon. However, York still holds the rights to the film and says herself, as long as I live, I will hold the rights to it because I believe that Ray deserves a story that is true and shows the incredible fortitude and bravery that he had and his family and the life that he lived and the people that he touched. So urban legends can be fun, but they can also cast a dark shadow on some otherwise innocent and kind people. I think that is the most creepy and devastating thing that could happen to someone. Far more scary than any spirit you can run into for sure. With that being said, if you know of one, do some research and you might be very surprised about what you find. That's it for this episode of Destination Other Side. Thank you so much for listening as always. Check out more episodes of Destination Other Side and listen to our other podcasts online at goldhitswkva.com, wchx1055.com, and star967.com. Till next time, goodbye and good day to everyone in every dimension.